You're listening to the Jim Bradford Podcast, conversations on faith, life, and leadership. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Pastor Jim has called Chapter 4 of 1 Timothy one of the Bible's most important chapters on leadership. Paul builds his coaching advice to Timothy to the final line that by watching his life and teaching closely, he will save himself and those who hear. The verse became a framework in Jim's ministry and how he thinks about his own calling. It continues to be the way he thinks about his life and the task before him. And in today's episode, Pastor Jim explores how this verse became so important to him, but also how it can help you persist in ministry. If you were with us in our previous conversations through his book, Lead So That Others Can Follow, this advice will sound really familiar. It's been so important to Jim throughout his time, but a helpful reminder once again as we come to it in Paul's letter to Timothy. As always, thanks for listening. Pastor Jim, good to sit down and continue our conversations through uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. Uh, man, the last few conversations have just been really impactful and uh, really helpful for me personally as as we come to what we've kind of joked as very simple advice, but as yes. you begin to unpack it, really, really profound advice about what it is to, to lead, to have influence, to serve others, uh, to be, I think the phrase you used last week was uh, genuine for it to be real, the real deal. Yeah, so, the real deal. Yeah. 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 God help us. And... Yeah, simplicity can seem pretty boring for people, but you know, there's a degree to which even good coaches, they always take their athletes back to the basics. And really, Paul does that in a pretty profound way for Timothy here. You wrap this section up, this chapter, chapter four, by saying that Paul's final bit of coaching advice or his summary of that coaching advice uh, can be put in the statement, uh, Paul encourages Timothy to watch his life and doctrine closely. Uh, you've helped me realize just how profound and how significant that statement is. It's had a huge impact on me. Um, when did you realize the significance of this, and, and why is that such a, a central idea for this whole chapter, all of this coaching advice? Watch your life. Watch the doctrine. And actually, I was re- on, on a, spending part of a day with the Lord years ago. I was pastoring on the West Coast, and uh, I, I was just meditating. I forgot how I got there, but I was just, really meditating on the last part of first Timothy four. It is just very rich in leadership coaching material. Paul says to Timothy, uh, you know, don't let anyone despise your youth. Uh, Give attention to the public reading of scripture, the preaching and the teaching. Don't neglect the gift that God's given you. Um, to, you know, let your progress be evident to all. I mean, the more I was getting towards the end of that, of chapter four, I, I noticed the verbs were getting stronger and that caught my attention. And one thing was building on another. You know, give attention to scripture. His assignment was to correct false doctrine in the Ephesian church. So give attention to scripture. And then obviously part of his anointing and calling was preaching and teaching. Don't neglect that gift. Um, let your progress be evident to all. Keep keep growing yourself, Timothy, as a person. Persevere, very strong verb. Persevere in these things. Uh, and and then I got to verse sixteen. And to be honest, what caught my attention most was not when he said, "Pay close attention to your life and your doctrine." It was what came next, uh, because if you do, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And that that's what initially grabbed me. I thought, I'm, I'm all in there. 
I mean, first of all, I would love to survive my calling. <laughs> you know, even though he may have been talking doctrinally, you'll save yourself and those who hear you. I mean, if you stay true to the doctrine of the gospel, you're not going to lose your salvation. You're not going to, people who hear you aren't going to be off and, and miss the truth of the gospel and their eternal salvation be jeopardized. But I, I took it, I, I took it as, as more than just salvation in terms of a relationship with God, but I, but I understood in terms of survivability and that's honestly what really caught my attention. So yeah, you I will you save that yourself. Word, persevere or persist in these exactly. things. So there definitely yeah. is a quality of like, this is how you move forward. This exactly. is how you sustain. Right. Yeah. yeah. He said, persevere in this. Pay close attention to your life and doctor. Persevere. And if you do really keep focusing on those two things, you will save yourself and those who hear you. So the whole verse fascinated me. And of course, you've got to come back to the the effect of the the effect is you'll be saved in those who hear you. But the cause, the engine, is this idea of paying close attention to your life and to your doctrine. So the first what fifty five podcasts we did were on my book leads so others can follow, and uh, and chapters one and five would be of that book would be the fruit of that because I I just felt as I was sitting there meditating on this it was becoming real to me just captured me. I thought, what if I could reduce into two word phrases, a short list of what paying attention to my life would mean for me? I mean, what if I took seriously those words? And what if I could put it on a, a, on a business size card? You know, I don't know why I went there. Kind of the engineer in me wants to synthesize everything down. And, and, and so what if I had two columns, my life instead of my doctrine uh, maybe generalize that to my task as a pastoral leader. What would I write down? And so chapter one of that book are the seven things I wrote in terms of paying attention to my life. And chapter five would be the seven things I wrote down in terms of paying attention to my task as a spiritual leader, which kind of turned into forcing me to write my philosophy of ministry out. So, and it all came out of the last verse of 1 Timothy 4. Pay close attention to your life. Pay close attention to your doctrine. Because I had the self-interest of wanting to survive this. <laughs> to, to <laughs> that was saved, really, to be yeah. honestly, yeah. what the hook was for me in this. Yeah. One of the things that really impacted me about this section was that these two things come together. That there's a sense that they need to be done side by side. Um, right. That to do one alone or to overemphasize one is actually a kind of error, right? So I tend to think of them as like step, like left foot, right foot, left foot, right? Like this is the way you persist and move forward is like these two works simultaneously yes. playing out. Um, for those who maybe are jumping in the podcast and haven't listened to some of those previous episodes, I do want to sort of give a little bit of a synopsis of what this looks like because it can sound – it can sound psychological and abstract. Watch myself. What does that mean? And even this idea of the teaching, you know, I think there's some unpacking there on this phrase, doctrine, the teaching, is it sometimes translated. Um, what does it mean for you to to watch your life, to pay close attention to your life? I would encourage everybody to write their own list because this list is not going to be identical for everybody. It somewhat involves the vulnerabilities you need to keep your eye on. So, you know, be careful, and here's where you need to be careful. 
except I think the first two on my list, I would hope would be the first two on your list, Jace, or anybody listening, whether you're a leader or not. And, and you know, where I started was just those two words, know God. I just want to know God, K-N-O-W, God. I want to know him. Well, and I started asking myself, what would I want uh, my wife to put on my tombstone someday if I died before she did? Would I want on my tombstone he pastored a great church? That would be true of me. I pastored wonderful. I pastor an amazing church right now. I feel honored to pastor. But uh, what I want on my gravestone, he was general secretary of the Assemblies of God, which I was for nine and a half years. I mean, that's a true statement. But is that what I really want on my gravestone? With all respect to those great opportunities. And I finally came down to say, you know what I want people to be able to say about me? Hey, Jim, Jim, you know what? That, I really feel like that guy really knew God. I mean, that's what I want them to say about me. And uh, and I don't want to be one of those people that loses my first love. Out of Even though, you know, like Ephesus, the church at Ephesus later, they fix their doctrinal problems. Paul actually says to them, or Jesus says to them in the book of Revelation, you know, you've persevered, you've you've gotten rid of false teachers, but you've lost your first love in the midst of it all. Um, you lost me. So, or the church of Laodicea, behold, I stand on the door and knock. I am knocking at the door of my own church and saying, uh, by the way, does anybody notice I'm not there anymore? Uh, you know, and I don't want, to love leadership more than I love Jesus. And leadership's really intoxicating and fun some days. But the core of all of this is is me and Jesus. I mean, if I lose that, I've lost everything. And I, w- I want people to just be able to trust about their pastor. I want Sandy to trust about her husband that I actually walk with God myself. So that's why no God is the first one. The second one is pursue integrity so that... Um, so that, you know, and, and, and there I've asked myself the question, are there areas of secrecy that I'm, you know, of morally questionable activities where I find myself just covering up my tracks saying, I hope, I hope my wife never sees me doing this. I hope I never run into anybody from the church here. Um, you know, are, are you living a double life? I said, I don't want to live a double life. So it's that integrity. It's that. I can honestly, I'm not perfect, but I can honestly say I'm trying to live out what I preach. And so, so those first two, I would hope that would be it. When it comes to watching your life, um, your relationship with Jesus, and the consistency of your life, you're not you don't have a double life, a hidden life. I, I would hope that that would be part of watching my life for all of us. Uh, the other side of this advice, you know, Paul refers to sometimes it said the teaching, the doctrine. Right. Um, what is it he's suggesting Timothy pay close attention to in the, the, the second of these sort of components? Of yeah, for Timothy, his assignment to correct false doctrine, his assignment not to get lured into all the sensational stuff with myths and old wives' tales and genealogies, his assignment to not take the Old Testament in in light of the gospel misapply it or over apply it and get into a kind of legalism. Um, and and I, part of what I would reduce that to is attention. I think we face 
Chase as pastors right now, you know, the gospel is rooted in the grace of the Lord Jesus. And the longer I lead, the harder it is, I think, for me and for all of us to truly understand gospel grace. And like grace is this pathway that has two ditches on each side. You know, on one is legalism where we just, we default into just rule, like our whole relationship with Jesus isn't rooted in grace and unconditional love, but everything about following Jesus is keeping rules. And you get into this legalism that defines your spirituality rather than intimacy with Jesus and a living in a grace I, I, I can't possibly deserve in the first place. So why all this pressure I put on me to somehow feel worthy of what I'm not worthy of. I can never be worthy of God's favor and his grace. And so we get into the over applying of rules. This was happening in the Ephesian church with, with applying the old Testament in the wrong ways or, or on the other hand, the other, so you got the pathway of grace. You got the ditch of legalism on one side and you've got the ditch of what we could call license on the other side where our emphasis on grace, and we, I see this in the church, in parts of the church right now, has been really a misapplication of grace. So there's a there's a, a low view of grace, a misunderstanding of grace on one hand, or on the other hand, the other extreme where it's it's so misapplied that that we just feel like grace almost gives us permission to sin because after all, I can't deserve God's favor anyway, and his grace covers everything. And so I live a loose life. So we talk about grace all the time and we never talk about holiness. But when we talk about holiness, we can't seem to talk about holiness without talking about legalism and how I earn God's favor. And so I think our greatest challenge is gospel and truly retrieving gospel, understanding gospel and living in grace. We're not in the ditch of legalism. We're not in the ditch of license. We can talk about grace and holiness in the same breath. And, um, um, you know, for me, paying close attention to my doctrine, I think that's my biggest challenge doctrinally in leading a church forward. I can do the biblical literacy stuff because I can read verses, I can explain them in text. But understanding how all this integrates in the mystery of the gospel is profound to me. Yeah, I think that's part of what strikes me about so fascinating the way Paul puts these two things together is there's a kind of danger if I become too absorbed with just knowing myself right that I can kind of get lost in this labyrinth of my own personality and my own desires and emotions and feelings and and I think scripture is a, a pretty firm it's a firm statement that we're not good at evaluating ourselves anyway. Exactly. we tend to justify we tend to not be very uh, objective about ourselves so alone, there's a kind of danger. And sometimes we don't think about the danger of just being absorbed in doctrine with no connection to myself, that right. all of this faith can turn into a kind of abstract theology, ideas, a kind of theological posturing. I can feel like I'm somehow uh, a good pastor because I know all of these things, even though I've never done the hard work of applying that to myself right. or also to a congregation, knowing the people that I pastor. It can all just be abstraction. So to me, part of the wisdom of what Paul offers here is that these two things kind of lock into place, yeah. right? Yeah. Knowing myself, knowing this place I've been called to pastor in really personal ways, but then also knowing what I've been given as a resource through the gospel. And at times it's 
the gospel that forces me to look at something in my life. And at times it's seeing something in my life that forces me to go look at the gospel. But these two things sort of working together to make progress just strikes me as yeah. very significantly profound. So so it's to that that really great word picture of, of those two things that you used a few minutes ago, walking in lockstep with each other. You, you can't bifurcate them. Uh, Paul is like, this is pure, all of, all of this stuff is pure genius on Paul's part. He said, he said, he's life and doctrine inform each other in very profound ways. And he's been saying your influence will largely be related in the example of your life as you live out your doctrine. And, um, and, and, and then in terms of, in terms of lifestyle and gospel, I mean, the, pe- people learn as much by watching you as they do to listening to you, and we got to embody gospel in our life. Got to live as free people. Otherwise, you know, we, we we do project in our public ministry, and it even contaminates our doctrines, the projection of our own unresolved personal issues as as leaders. Um, you have a lot of unresolved anger in you. Uh, it's going to come out in the way you preach. If you're if you're constantly obsessed with one subject all the time in your preaching, it probably indicates that there's something pretty unresolved going on inside of you. It's not the pure flow of God's Spirit and anointing and Word, but your life is contaminating the message, whereas the message ought to really be healing our lives. And uh, they do that lock, lockstep um, word picture. Chase is brilliant. I mean, they they do pace with each other. Yeah, they that's the way to. you persist or you and move forward. That's how forward. you persist and move forward. And it's always keeping an eye on gospel realities and keeping an eye on your own life or the lives and the lives of those who you lead. You, you never can... When you start pastoring a larger church, you tend to get a little more distant from people. It's out of necessity. Um, because I can't be, you know, we may have 1,500 people who generally is, say this is their church home. So there's no way in a seven-day week I can have a relationship with personally with 1,500 people. But so I have to do ministry through people, not just to them. But that can become really dangerous. You can start actually living in a bit of an idealistic world, especially if you're not paying attention to yourself, you you can have, like, you can start developing unrealistic expectations of people. You're not just really meeting people where they are and the application of God's word. You've just got to, especially when your church grows larger, you've got to figure out other ways of being more honest with yourself and your own struggles and keeping touch with what just, the average person in your church just faces and deals with all the time. When you think about this whole chapter and the last few conversations we've been having, we've used this coach language quite a bit. Paul's kind of coaching Timothy through these things. We've talked even earlier in Timothy about how he's trying to encourage Timothy to persevere into this work, the challenge that's around this work. Um, Part of me wants to just wrap up this conversation by kind of an open-ended question for you of what is it you think Paul wants for Timothy? which is really a way of also saying, you know, from your seat, trying to speak into other pastors' lives too, what is it you want for them? You know, this whole 
advice, this call back to these habits, this this encouragement to know yourself and know the gospel. What is the cumulative whole of this chapter, this thing that Paul wants? Certainly it's effectiveness in ministry. We've talked about that, be able to be able to deal with these false teachings in the church. But there feels like there's something just on a human level beneath that that Paul's really wanting Timothy to just be able to experience and grab hold of. I was, and I'm going to turn this back on you. That's what you get for asking a really <laughs> tough question. But if, if I was to put in one sentence is be strong enough to do what's right. I mean, that everything of the life stuff, it's inner stamina, character, strength, and, and he's needing to do what's right. And there's a lot of wrong things going on in this church. And Timothy, I just, you just need to be strong enough to do what's right here and uh, confront what needs confronting. And what do you think he's saying there? Yeah, the two kind of ideas, I think stability is one of them, yeah, which stability. gets at this idea of strength. I think yeah. you and I are similar in that. There seems to be a sort of, take a deep breath, Timothy. Uh, yes. You called my attention to this a few weeks ago in saying that a lot of these trustworthy sayings may be things that were common in the church, right? and then Paul's reminding Timothy of them. So there seems to be a lot of this, hey, everything seems to be going crazy around you, but Timothy, take a deep breath. You know <laughs> what it is true. And I think in that, there's a kind of courage I see coming out of this. And I find myself in this season, it's funny, as I get older, I find myself praying for courage more than I did when I was younger. I might have needed it even more then. But I, lately, that's been on my heart a lot. And yeah. I don't mean courage. And it's unfair. I think sometimes Timothy gets a bad rap for being like timid Timothy, like he's afraid. I, I think if he was really, truly afraid, there's no way he takes the assignment to begin with. No, so, I, I don't think he was that kind of milk toasty yeah kind i don't of think guy that's that we make Paul's him doing. out to be yeah because i think there's a kind of courage that isn't just you're afraid all the time there's a kind of courage that that is you know what's before you and you know how hard it is to discern how what is the right thing there's a genuineness of desire to get it right that at some point i think takes takes courage and that's, i see paul really trying to inspire yeah. that in timothy yeah yeah that's that kind of inner 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 strength yep it's and no wonder paul keeps going to who timothy is through this i mean yeah he's got to have what it takes to do what's right here and and he seems and to, to sense it. that that's not going to come about by you just like working it up in the moment you need no. it you know he's trying exactly. to lay this foundation for courage in timothy yeah. that tracks down to a yeah. deeper spot uh i love that word courage that's a very powerful strength word i know with my prayer partners over the years I've sometimes just said, you know, if you're going to pray any two things for me, pray for wisdom and courage. And once in a while, I'll unpack it with them and say, I don't think our church wants a pastor with wisdom and no courage. And I don't think they want a pastor with courage and no wisdom. They probably don't want someone reckless out there either. But what, what a duo that is, wisdom and courage. Yeah, and I do think Paul pulls this down to at the end of the day if you really do the work in yourself to be honest yeah. integrity and if you really do the work to know what is true yeah. um, there's a kind of conviction and courage a wisdom and courage that comes out of that combination exactly. i don't know where else could be replicated that's exactly persisted. it that's exactly it right. yeah I don't want to get too fancy with this conversation. Maybe we just need to go to prayer with that. Maybe we just need boy, to pray I feel right convicted there. About it it's, as well I mean, too. it's what it all boils down to. I mean, to. isn't that yeah. what we want? God, yeah. give me the courage to know myself yeah. and be honest, and give yeah. me the wisdom to understand this mystery of the gospel. Yeah. 
And in the midst of that, help me persist, help me to, to save myself and God help me to save the Those people that me. you've, you've given me responsibility for. Lord Jesus, we bring it down right there. Thank you that you're for us and not against us. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, putting to death the old and bringing to life the new, not just in other people, but right in our own hearts. And uh, may we may we be uh, people of courage. Uh, we need courage to be good parents. We need courage to face challenges at work. We need courage to lead well. We need courage in every area of our lives. We pray for that strength of of, of character, that strength within us. It just brings courage. So we, we just don't back off and we're not intimidated and fearful all the time. But just give us courage to do what's right. And I pray you give us wisdom to do what's right. We pray that the gospel will be real. Help us to walk the way of grace. Help us to understand, especially if we're spiritual leaders, help us to be able to help people walk gospel grace out in their lives. And I just pray that they will have we will have wisdom to discern the important things from the less important things. And, and, and we'll, we'll truly understand where the people we serve, where they live and what they need. And we just pray for wisdom and courage. We pray for grace. We thank you. We see it in Jesus who is unbelievably wise and clear and yet had the courage to go to the cross and stay on the cross um, out of love for us. Lord, just give us all of this. We we pray for it. And thank you for the counsel of, of Paul to Timothy. And thank you for the place where that intersects our stories and our challenges. And we we just ask the Lord for Chase and myself and for all of us that we'll pay close attention to our lives and pay close attention to to our, our, our ministry tasks and in the doctrine we're teaching, God help us, help us to pay close attention to those, and uh, and to come out strong, and to come out with courage. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Jim Bradford Podcast. We would uh, really appreciate it if you would take the time to leave us some feedback on the show. You can do that by leaving a rating or by typing out a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we hope you might consider subscribing to the show. We're looking forward to a lot of the conversations to come in the weeks ahead, and it would mean a lot to us if you'd be a part of those. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to ask Pastor Jim to hear him cover, we'd appreciate it if you'd take the time to send those in. You can do that by email by going to questions at jimbradford.org. We'd love to be able to take a look at those and get them featured on the podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.